What's up, nation? It's Brandon. So we're taking a week off here at the Murder Chronicles, but don't worry, we're not going to leave you high and dry. In fact, we've got a nice little surprise for you. So when we first started the show, we were holding back the bonus content for a subscription service. It was behind a paywall. Um, So we have a handful of those episodes that uh, most of you have probably never heard. So uh, I don't know if you remember episode 13. It was called The Ghoul, about a maniac who roamed uh, the port city of Seattle about 100 years ago and did a lot of crooked shit. Um, So we're going to give you the bonus episode from that, uh, like I said, that most of you have never heard. And to refresh your memory, we'll play you a few clips of the original show first, and then we'll go right into the bonus content. So uh, so we hope you enjoy it, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe out there. Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Carolyn Osorio, and this is my new podcast, The Murder Chronicles. You're listening to episode 13, The Ghoul. The year is 1907, and a sailor's been out to sea for years. A voyage to China and back has calloused his hands, toughened his body, but the seagull's cry drifting across the salty wind awakens something long dormant in the man. The swabby takes a moment to drink in the sight. Civilization. Someone up above in the crow's nest makes it official. Land ho! It's Aberdeen, Washington, at long last. The sailor even musters a faint smile as he envisions the night ahead of him, after the brutal conditions and toil. Because life on the sea isn't for the faint of heart. But today was payday, and he knew he was just a few hours away from being on land with money in his pocket. He could almost taste a steaming hot meal, whiskey burning in his belly as he played a hand or two at the table, and maybe with the help of Lady Luck, he'll find a bit of love in tonight. Having no idea that he was about to encounter Billy Gould. The city of Aberdeen is near Washington's Olympic Peninsula, a sea of green, Old-growth rainforest in the early 1900s could be turned into gold in America's booming economy. The West Coast's oldest natural resource is being plundered in the midst of the Industrial Revolution. As the sailor's ship gets closer to port, he takes in the sights. Four huge canneries perched on the bank of the Chehalis River. There, workers process the seemingly never-ending abundance of salmon, which at the time run in a beautiful blur of silver harmony. On the other side of the river, lumber mills churn out the mountainous stacks of old growth trees that have been cut down without care, cedar, spruce, and fir. Back then, Aberdeen was a bustling city with folks from all over the world and locals too. Homesteaders, fishermen, loggers, and our sailors whose ship has just come to shore in Grays Harbor. Back then, it was the largest port in the world. As the sailor disembarks, he's mesmerized, shoulder to shoulder with thousands of sailors like him from all over the world and burly-looking mountain men, loggers who'd been deep in the woods for months, still wearing their specialty boots, which chewed up the wooden sidewalks. But many of these working men have something in common, 
fresh pay burning a hole in their pockets. After backbreaking work and hardship, it was time for some fun, which was available for a price at the many saloons, gambling halls, and brothels. But our Swabby's first stop is the Sailor's Union on the river's edge and a union man named Billy Gould. Billy Gould was short and stocky, but he was an intimidating figure who made an impression with a closely shaved head, barrel chest, and a wide smile when he wanted to. He was known as a sailor's sailor, which meant that he himself had done the hard and more often than not thankless work that was a sailor's life, and he had the tattoos to prove it. The reason our sailor stops off here is easy. He's in the union, and this is where he'll get paid. The sailors had to come to him to get paid. And when they did, if Billy didn't like you, or you said something bad about him, or you said something bad about the sailors' union, or you were a scab, or any number of other things that put you in bad dead with the union, then Billy would just get rid of you. He would first pay you, entice you to um, put your money in his safe, which he said was far safer than the bank, Billy was always cordial to newcomers. He asked the same questions. Hey, are you new to the area? Any family around? His smile was a practiced genuineness, which never betrayed his murderous thoughts. And with a charming bravado, suggested the sailor leave his valuables in the sailor's union safe, just to make sure he had fun, but not too much fun. And the sailor, feeling he was in the company of a friend, didn't see through the monster behind the mask. He was a power man. The more power he could get, the better he felt. To me, that's really what this whole thing with Ghoul was all about. Billy Ghoul's pitch-perfect routine was so smooth, the sailor didn't even see it coming. Come into my office before you go, he'd say, starting to monologue. I'll be able to protect your hard-earned wages. And if you have any other valuables, we can throw them in the safe, too. Because it's rough out there on the streets of Aberdeen. Lots of undesirables looking for an easy score. At the Sailor's Union, you can rely on good old Billy Ghoul. Convinced, the sailor follows Billy into his office, where he made a showy display of opening up the safe. Then he directed the sailor to crouch down low, where he can put the valuables into the safe himself. Billy looked at his watch and wasn't anywhere close to that four o'clock whistle from the mill, which ran like clockwork and was high-pitched enough to drown out the sound of a gunshot. Billy picked up a club, which was strategically placed for just such an occasion. And as the sailor began to stand from his extremely vulnerable position with his head down low by the safe, with a practice swing, Billy Ghoul bashed him in the head. He would knock you over the head or choke you, or shoot you, or knife you, or something to get rid of you. Not only did he kill them, but he was also alleged to have tied weights around their bodies and pulled their body down a trapdoor that was in his building that hung over a river, and it would go down the trapdoor into the river, and your body would float out to sea. Our sailor, according to legend, became just another poor soul in what would become known as the Floater Fleet. Billy was a notorious character in Aberdeen. He came to Aberdeen in about 1902, and he was there for eight years, and he absolutely wreaked havoc on the city. He was alleged to have killed as many as 200 people during that time. 
three, two, one. Welcome back, Murder Chronicles Nation. How are you? Hope you had a great week. Um, I'm Brandon, the producer of the show, here as always with your writer, host, and the woman that makes it all happen, Carolyn Osorio. Carolyn, nice to see you again. Good intro. I love it. Yeah. True. That's true. Um, You have a good week? Had a great week. We had snow in the Pacific Northwest, and of course, it was like, you know, I'm the kind of mom where it's like, I want those snow days. I want the kids to not have to go to school. It's fun to have that, you know, everybody like, okay, let's go, let's go. So um, and there wasn't enough to do like some massive fun sledding, but it was just, it's just great. You know, really brings in the season. So it, it was does. Good. How about you? I mean, I, it, was, it was fine. It was raining all week in LA. So um, uh, I got a lot of work done. I miss, I miss the snow days growing up in Jersey. I miss it a lot really miss it a lot like old school i remember there was like one radio station one local station that at like five or six a.m they would they would let you know what schools were closed right and so when you saw snow in the forecast me and my brother would be like be up so early and we yeah no school (laughs) and just go back it was it was it was awesome so i miss all that but um you know you know what? I'm so evil because when I told you it was snow day and you were like, oh my gosh, I missed that. When we were on the phone, I was so tempted to like text you, like photobomb you with like, hey, look at that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm woo, woo, woo. But I Yeah, didn't. that would have hurt, hurt my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have made me feel great. Yeah, I bet. I bet it would have. I bet it would have. I deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah. uh, like I was saying before we started, um, uh, your musical choices for this week's episode were great. Um, so to all the listeners out there, normally we leave uh, those choices up to our editorial staff. Uh, but this week, Carolyn sent along some some music that was germane to the podcast. And uh, I think it really elevated the, you know, the, the middle section and then at the end towards the credits. Uh, I thought that was very well, uh, well chosen. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about these historical cases where it's like, you really get into those layers of of at, at least like what was going on back then. I have to stop myself from being like going into uh, the rabbit hole of history. But um, but anyway, this this those songs definitely like remind me of like an Irish bar. I used to love going to like this like there's this really famous Irish bar in Seattle called Kells. It's been there forever, mm-hmm. and um, I just love that. <laughs> I love I love that I kind did, of whole vibe. It's I did songs too. Cool to I, I loved it because for as different as different as things were 112 years ago, 120 years ago, whatever the span of time that the story encompasses, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of fucking similarities. Right. Right. <laughs> to shit that's still yeah. going on. Yeah, of course. Of course. And so while I was listening to it, I, I found myself, you know, nostalgic, not even nostalgic, because nostalgic is... Because you weren't there, <laughs> longing for something that you'd experience. No, but just I guess just just thinking about it, like oh, what, what how great that must have been, or what that must have been like. Because I, I I've I've read a lot of um, you know, about the different gold rushes, like in California and then up in Alaska, and and Seattle was a, a, a massive way station for for people making their way up to the gold fields of Alaska. And so I'd read a lot about Seattle in right around this time. Um, but it was a far more 
kind of hopeful version of Seattle and and what I had read. I had never experienced like the the shit that you went over in this. Um, <laughs> that was really mind mind blowing. A lot yeah. of it, a lot of it, but but yeah. we'll get to it. So um, so well, as well, I always you know ask. What, well, yeah. you know what's crazy is is like these these fucking tycoons, and then you have mm-hmm. like. Amazon and yeah, I don't know if you saw that skit with uh Saturday Night Live where it's like the, the three billionaires go into space. You know, they're like trying to like, oh my gosh, you have to watch it. Right. It's like one of the best okay. Saturday Night Live skits you've I've ever seen. I was like, but it's just that whole thing about billionaires just like playing and they're they're like anyway, it it it's like totally reminiscent of these tycoons back then where it's like they, you know, we're kind of still in that place of yeah, you know all the wealth being with, you know, not very many people. Yeah. There's, there, there's an argument that it was worse back then. Right. Like, like with Rockefeller, I read something that at his height, Rockefeller's wealth was, was equal to like two or 3% of the United States of like the GDP. And, you know, and yeah, which no one today is really even anywhere near that, you know, in, in terms of how it's, you know, comparable kind of wealth but ima- i mean just imagine that imagine because you mentioned who do you mention yeah, in the I mean, podcast I- vanderbilt you mentioned um and some of these other tycoons yeah i think that it's like you know like with those like science fictiony type movies where it's like you have the corporate um these corporations that like are the government that become the government and it's it's yeah. like i feel like i watched that back when i was a kid and i was like that had never happened oh gosh you know, how, how did mm, that happened yeah. Right. I yeah. know. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, I, I, I just feel like, you know, yeah, we've, we've come far, but, but have we really, it's just a different flavor, but, right. but anyway, that's why it's fun to kind of juxtapose, you know, what, what these workers were going through and, uh, yeah, but, and, and, and that's one of the big points where you can see the strides that we have made, right. Yeah. It, is, yeah. is workplace conditions, the eight hour workday, the strength of unions going on now, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, immigrants are treated better for the mo- uh, not great. I'm not saying they're treated right, but they're treated better. Um, and uh, and so yeah, there has been a lot of progress, but a lot of the shit is the same. <laughs> I know it's like human trafficking. It's kind of gone into yeah. a different, you know that that underbelly of anyway. We could go and jump off. Yeah, and- but so how did you? All right, again, as I always ask, how did this how did this land on your radar? Is Billy well, Ghoul. Well, Billy Ghoul is kind of, uh, I'd heard of him many times before and you look him up and it's like, oh, it's old timey and we don't really know for sure. And so once you peel back the layers with this guy and you don't really know what he did and what he didn't do, but um, that's kind of, you know, I mean, he's like a lore in, in the Pacific Northwest, you know, mm-hmm. Billy Ghoul. Um, right. So he just looked up and in, looked into it and was like, okay, this will be fun. Um, so I didn't, I never knew what Shanghai meant technically. I knew that you weren't. Okay. <laughs> I, was like, I knew, go. I thought I, I had a much more kind of umbrella term for Shanghai. Like you just did someone dirty. Okay. But I didn't know that there was a kind of a technical definition. Like you hit yeah. someone over the head or you drug them and they wake up on a ship at sea. You know, right. <laughs> And it's like either work or starve. 
I know. And when you work, you've got to pay back what I paid the guy that fucking kidnapped you. I know the blood money. I know it's like, it it gets even worse. And, and you know, the thing is I'd heard the term Shanghai Kelly somewhere in my life. And I had Mm -hmm. no idea, no idea, no idea that it meant doing someone dirty. I just didn't know what it meant. I just was like, Oh, Shanghai Kelly. I, I don't really know what that means, but I've heard it before. You know, and 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 uh, the same with the term blood money, right? I didn't yeah. know that blood money was specific to the Shanghai kind of situation, you mm-hmm. know, because I'd heard blood money yeah. in a lot of other ways, you know, none of all of them in the pejorative. Um, right. just you're a hitman or you're a whatever, you know, blood yeah. money. Um, yeah. so those things were interesting, and how oh gosh, how just sinister. You're like, hey, I'm having a party, open bar. What, like, how many fucking sailors aren't going to show up when they hear there's an open bar? <laughs> we'll be back after a quick break. We're talking about doing someone dirty. God. Oh, and they're his friends. Like, hey, it's my birthday. And I want to <laughs> celebrate you. I want to celebrate you. I want to celebrate you for being such a good friend to me. Here's an open bar. Just go crazy. Go nuts. Man, you could just, just see him like clinking the glasses and just like, you know, and 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 here's the thing, like there's something to be said. Like these are sociopaths before they had the language of sociopath, right? Because yeah. Billy's just taking it all in. He's like, oh right. You pretend to be their friend, you pretend to be the hero of the working <laughs> man, and then you totally get him drunk and Shanghai him. Yeah. So I'm going to make a connection here that is really going to expose my 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 kind of liberal leanings. Okay. So here's what jumped into my head. All right. So let's look at Shanghai Kelly. All right. Yeah. You trick people. Basically, you know, you, you get people to think that you're a good guy, mm-hmm. show up to this place. Okay. Mm-hmm. For good shit to happen to you. Right. And then you wind up you wind up someplace you have no, you don't know, you don't know where you are, you don't know where you're going, you don't know what the fuck you're doing there, and one guy benefits from it. Okay, all I thought about was DeSantis putting these migrants on the plane to Martha's Vineyard or to Nantucket, wherever they went, right? Because he tricked them, he gave them these brochures, like there's going to be jobs there and all of this great stuff for you when you get there, and the only one that benefited was him politically. Well, what's great is it backfired. Yeah, you know that that's that's. Not That's really. Well, eh, not really. The DeSantis fans in Florida think he's a fucking amazing guy for doing that, for like owning the libs, you know. But but he didn't though, because they're like they didn't give the reaction that he thought that they were gonna do. He thought yeah. he was betting on them, totally like not you know we call them nimbies here, not in my backyard. He totally expected that. <laughs> he totally expected mm-hmm. you know liberals to just be like, uh, you know, wait a second. Um, but that didn't happen, but really it's, it's the modern day version of human trafficking. I mean, what we're describing is, is totally like you show up somewhere and you think you're, you know, going to America for a better life. And all of a sudden, oh, well, we need your passport for a second. Um, and, and you're, and you're their slaves. And so, um, yeah, again, you know, blood money, who's getting that blood money. Yeah, and and it, gosh, it almost step for step with what um, with what Qatar did for the workers to go build all the World Cup stadiums, right? Did you read about that? 
No, I it didn't. It was a really, really interesting article. And um, a lot of the late night hosts covered it also, did, trying to find humor in it. But so, so when Qatar was awarded the World Cup in 2010, they didn't have anything. They had zero of the boxes checked that you needed infrastructure-wise to handle the influx of, of fans and countries with their teams. Nine stadiums, nine, like, 100,000-seat stadiums, they had zero, okay? No highway system, no rapid transit or light rail system, and they needed, uh, like, to build 100, 400-room hotels. And none of that stuff was built, okay? And they had 12 years to do all of that shit. And mm -hmm. so there are these agencies in nearby countries, Nepal, Pakistan, uh, India, that amass massive workforces to send to other rich, oil-rich countries, to, right? So thousands and thousands of people. And you have to pay the agency, okay, to be able to even get the opportunity to go over there. When you get to Qatar, you surrender your passports. You can't leave. You have to work the job that they tell you to work. You can't change jobs and you have to live where they tell you to live. And it's like eight dudes to a room and you're, you're, you know, bathing in toilet water and there's no kitchen. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah. they moved the world cup from summer to the winter, no, you know, fall winter because it's 125 degrees in the summer there. And it was, you know, not safe for the players, highly trained athletes to be outside for 90 minutes. However, the workforce had to work through the fucking summer through 12 summers and like thousands of them died. And, and, and it, there's a word for it in Arabic uh, that basically means indentured servitude. It's like slavery. Um, I forget what the name is. It's, it's, it's a word and Qatar has admitted to it. And they said, yeah, we stopped that practice two years ago after all the shit was built, but <laughs> they decided right. the right thing to do was to end it. So it's still happening. Is, is the point. I know. So that's why it's like there's rights and labors, labor unions for some, but conditions are very much like it was back, back in the day. And what's interesting is like Upton Sinclair, you know, I'm sure you've, you've read the jungle. So yeah. He wrote this book hoping to make conditions better for workers. Like yeah. the people back in the day were going to be so appalled by how people were treated that, that that would change. Well, what happened was, is that people were appalled by the working conditions in the meatpacking plant. So they didn't really care about the people. They cared about the food that they were eating. And so then, you know, Theodore Roosevelt was like, okay, we're going to basically make some changes here. And Absolutely. so that's what led to the modern day FDA. Yep. But like, as far as the people, you know, it would take all these labor unions to basically oh. you know, change, change that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we, we have moved the needle for some workers, but for so many other people, it is very much like, like it was back back here yep. you know back then man and then in getting back to billy ghoul this guy whoo it's it's like the name ghoul i mean a great name great name for the guy um and how he would just he would time his murders with the whistle going off right he had a fucking trap door into the river <laughs> I know. Who is this fucking guy? Did you read um did you read uh the Eric Larson novel Devil in the White City? I was just going to recommend I was gonna say yeah. like when you talked to our thing, I was thinking, oh well, this is kind of like Chicago back in the day. It's probably in the early nineteen hundreds that this happened. Yeah, where they the, want the, the world's the, fair. 
yeah. to the World's Fair. Yes, I did read that. That guy was like. And this wow. whack job, he had like a dungeon in his house and it, secret passages and all of this shit. Like Billy yeah. Gould, just to, I mean, yeah. and, and and the way that Larson set up that whole, how it was like a, a serial killer's playground. Like it was yeah, where the what? work was. Everybody yeah. just descended on Chicago. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Young women, young men, old people, everybody with a with something to sell or a story to tell or some kind of a, a, anything. All this, every snake oil salesman was there. Every predator you could imagine was there. And this guy just quietly built out his little murder dungeon, you know, and in the main thoroughfair, right there, main thoroughfair. Yeah, oh, was that guy wow. H. H. Holmes? Was that the guy's name? The bad guy, the killer. Yeah. 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 And I think Scorsese okay. and DiCaprio are doing that. They the Scorsese bought up the rights to that a long time ago. When I think well, right I when think the book that came this out. Billy Ghoul would be I'm surprised nobody has like touched this. I mean, you could just see it's like a it's like what is that one series? Uh it's with that one Swearinger was the main character and it was hmm. that British guy who played oh my gosh such a great show I'm just totally spacing on the name it's gonna drive me crazy anyway it was kind of like a westerny type thing and it's like you got the bad guy who's also the good guy but to his people mm. people who are loyal to him and you could totally picture Billy Ghoul like this like yes he was a complete you know killer I believe that he probably murdered tons of people um oh yeah as many they say, no, I do think that there were probably some accidents. I think it was like a, a combination of both, you know? Um, and but Well, no, but he- see, see, but hold on, but hold on. But right at the end, you, 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 the guy said that when Billy Gould left, there was one floater. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so well, I would, they- I think that that means that he was, he was killing the, the floater fleet. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was Billy. I think that maybe they also were like, hey, we can't just dump all of our bodies in here because we can't blame Billy <laughs> anymore. Yeah, but I yeah do that's think, true. That's true. Think about it. Think about it. You have all those accidents happening and you need to, you don't want to deal with like, okay, we've got another accident here. You know, so you just kind of push them into the water. I mean, that made sense to me. And I think that that, um, that had to be, I believe that I could totally see that happening. And I could see these, rich businessmen getting together and just being like, we got to take this guy down. He's like really causing trouble for us. You know, just the, the, the expendable kind of nature of life, you know, that, that was explored here was really sickening and interesting uh, for political, political gain, union busting to line his own pockets like all that guy's a, a, a sociopath, but it, it also reeks of of kind of like Tammany Hall type of of politics. Totally. And this is only a, a generation or two post Tammany Hall. It's like 40, 50 years after yeah. Boss Tweed yeah. and all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it was uh so it was interesting and, and obviously, and so you span a couple of different cities. He was in San Francisco first, that's where he first got got kind of murdery correct well he went to he went to uh yukon first and did the whole gold rush thing came back yep. you know yep. broke and then went to san francisco and learned his tricks from shanghai kelly yep. which makes sense uh, you know yep. taking it all in and then he uh parlayed that um his reputation for you know killing scabs or like messing with them and it's like gosh you know it, it's always so hard because scabs 
or union busters, you know, they don't want to cross the picket line. It's such, you know, but if you got to feed your family, I mean, it's just, it's really hard from either side because they're trying to make these, you know, tycoons. That's the only way to get them to give them rights. So it's so, it's so hard, you know? Yeah, it's weird. When I was a kid, um, my father's a pilot. And when I was a kid, uh, the United Airlines pilots went on strike. Okay. And I remember like driving down to Newark airport and he was on the picket line and all that. And, and, and just the, the, the venom in his voice when he would talk about scabs crossing the picket line, you know? Um, And so I never really saw the other side of it. Like you were talking about, like people need to work, people need to feed their families, you know, like why isn't, so they're going after these, after these pilots, like fresh out of fresh out of the the air force or fresh out of whatever, who haven't joined the union at union yet. And, um, and it was, they are obviously an existential threat to to unions, people who are willing to work for less and work without the union protections. But who knows what's going on behind closed doors, right? What kind of what kind of situation they're in with their family, you know? Um, it's 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 weird, you know. And and years later, my dad made a kind of an admission. He didn't know for sure, but it was after his dad died that uh the reason that they left a a certain town and my dad couldn't understand why. And he thinks it was because uh, his father crossed a picket line and took a job when his family needed the money. And they had to leave after that when the, when the strike was over. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so you think like, like a little vitriol for his dad who made him maybe, or, or maybe nobody, he wasn't saying it like he was mad. He was saying it like, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. You know, I don't know what he was, you know, he had three kids and and just home from the war and and you, had, you do what you have to do, right? There's never any shame in paying the bills. Um, but like in 2019, I don't know if you remember because you're not in LA, but there was a big writer strike, big writer strike. Okay. And um and the WGA told all of us fire your agents, right? It wasn't really a strike, it was because the agencies were doing this packaging thing and it was it was just the writers were getting fucked. And so as and, we always uh, do. Yeah. And so you go to these meetings and and the WGA leadership is like, fire your agents. You don't need them. You know what? And and there are the and you look around and you see like massively established writers, like Academy Award winning writers, Emmy winning writers sitting in the room with you, and they're screaming, going, Yeah, yeah, fired them. Da, da, da. And I'm sitting there going, Do you know how fucking long it took me to get an agent? <laughs> right. To 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 just kick down doors to get into the WGA, yeah, you know what I mean. And you're and you're being very flip, but fucking fire him. Who gives a shit? You don't need him. Mm-hmm. I did so it. What did you, so what did you do? I did it. Really? I did it. Yeah, I totally did it. And because if you didn't, you know, are you going to get blacklisted? Are you going to be like, well, that's good. I it was. It was weird. Like I kind of, I, I I went along with it. Um, and then eventually all of the agencies, they, everyone came to an agreement, blah, 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 and everything's good. And then by then I was working here, so I didn't really need an agent, but it was a, it was a rough, it was a rough time. Union businesses, it's tricky, man. It's tricky. There's really good arguments on both sides. More Murder Chronicles after the break. 
It is tricky. And I think yep. that what gets lost is individual stories in the jockeying for power, <clears throat> you know? So, so yeah, I mean, we could sit here and talk all day about it, but yeah. it's yeah. really, I just think it's so interesting of you picking up when you were a little kid with your dad. I could just picture you in the station wagon and your dad's like, those oh, scabs. Oh, scab, know, right. Now, and my mom and making bag lunches to take down to the picket line to give to all the pilots yeah. walking, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is what's going on. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Those, that's where those, those, those things are, you know, it's not so much what you say, it's what you do, but then also like you taking it in and, um, you know, we were talking earlier last week about confirmation bias and mm. it's like, this is how these things are formed. And then later you took a look at it and we're like, yeah, there's all these other stories about the person that does cross the line. And it's not yeah. just, it's not just black and white. There's always, you know, so much gray in between and, yeah. um, you know, but back to Billy Gould, the fact that these guys, you know, he, he took them and beach them basically on an Island. is like, and let the tide come in, and let the tide. Come in. This fucking guy, right? I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, and then shit. the working men are like cheering him on, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fuck it's those scabs. I know. It's crazy. It's like Hoffa, like, she's one of the biggest union guys ever. Yeah. Who knows yeah. what the fuck that guy did? Yeah. Right to kill union busters, right? I mean, we yeah. know some of it. Yeah. And well, and imagine what we don't know. And he got God at the end. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like Billy did. So that's what I liked about this. Um, this was like uh, this episode was like two different podcasts. Right. It was mm -hmm. like um, historical, which I love, you know, that I love all of that. And and mm -hmm. I wrote down like I learned like four different things on this, which was amazing. Let Not only this, the Shanghai and blood money definitions, which are great. Um, but uh, and then. Kind of like the last third or half is the true crime podcast. How he got caught, right? and and the trial and shit that happened at trial, the tattoo. How they preserved the tattoo? That's a, that yeah. blew my fucking mind. Yeah, like holy shit! Yeah. This is 112 years ago at this trial mm -hmm. that they like cut off the tattoo and preserved yeah. it as like a gotcha moment in court. Yeah, they actually called, I read somewhere that it was pickled and I was like, I cannot say pickled. I mean, that's just a way <laughs> You should like, have said pickled oh tattoo. Gosh. I mean, then it just really brings it in. Like, can you picture, the, I think like back in the day they had those big jars of pickles where you'd like yeah, go in. Yeah, the like, brine, sure. Something. Yeah. And then you just like, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> of the jury, <laughs> I present to you defense exhibit 37. <laughs> yeah, and, and guys they were probably skin. like, <laughs> we got this guy we've got this guy yeah so it really so wait, wait hold on hold on let's recreate yeah. let's recreate that scene like how right. could they like how could they make sure that the jury would buy it right and that it wasn't like set up beforehand okay so mm -hmm. the the only way i could figure it is that the witness didn't know what was happening the witness wasn't aware of the of, of that they had the exhibit. And they say, "Can you describe this guy? How would you describe this guy?" Well, he had a tattoo. Oh, that's interesting. Can you describe the tattoo? Well, yeah, it was like an anchor and a chain, and it said "fucking mom" on it. You mean this? 
<laughs> and they bring the yeah. fucking brine jar out. Yeah. And you guys yeah. like, ah, that's the yeah. exact, that, you know, I just imagine that in the courtroom. Well, and there it's obviously back in the day when people were buying literally snake oil for their home remedies. Yeah. So of yeah. course they're like, you can imagine like click, click, click. Well, I don't even think they had cameras back then, but like what that kind of, you know, the the reporter back in the day, you know, writing this salacious story and then it's probably in the newspaper. I mean, yeah. I really am surprised that there's not more on Billy Ghoul, like not some kind of TV show or not, you know, because it seems like it has all of the all of the things there that that make it, you know, an interesting story. You know, the Pacific Northwest back in the day. I mean, like when I was looking at photos from this time. There was one that had, you know, these old historic photos of like these two huge orcas like swimming through where the log jam was, where all of these logs are being kind of corralled, you know, in the in the river, like waiting to be because I guess they would like roll them down the river or whatever. But yeah, it was just yeah. like everything was so huge. The salmon, the 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 nature, the the bounty and and just cashing in, you yeah. know, and, and it's just like it's an incredible time. You know, it makes me kind of sad, the environmentalism aspect of it and, you know. Yeah, but then you could probably go like an hour from where you're at and be like on an island somewhere that seems like time forgot it, right? Yeah, you, I wouldn't even have to go an hour. Right. You're right. Yeah. 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 I mean, everything was so huge back then. Yeah. You know. The redwood forests. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the salmon schools, everything. And it was, yeah, it was new and just people were up there just figuring out <laughs> how do I rape this land and line my pockets? I know, right? <laughs> right? And it's so sad because like people like, um, okay, Aberdeen um, was basically this thriving place in this story, but now it's it's coming back, but it's kind of depressed. You know, the logging mm. industry is not what it yeah. was. And now it's more known for being the birthplace of Kurt Cobain. Right. Um, so it's just crazy that it was at one time the largest port in the world. Yeah, that was interesting. That was it, really, it, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just how times have changed for sure. And oh, with a port like that, <laughs> that size, and what was basically a boom town, right? Yeah. Left over from the gold rush, the Alaskan gold rush. Yeah. Um, just the lawlessness. That, could, mm -hmm. that was going on up there as evidenced by Billy Ghoul's just murderous kind of spree. Mm -hmm. And just, you imagine just coming in from, I mean, I love how you opened it. A sailor coming off, you know, they had a pocket full of money and Billy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a lot of booze and broads out there. Let me help you. All right. Yeah. You'll be thanking me tomorrow that you left most of your money with me. Yeah. It's over the head and fucking dumps him into the oh river. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my God. You just look like um, Robert De Niro whacking someone. <laughs> that facial expression that you just said, eh? Well, think yeah. about it. If you, you know, if, if depending on him being a good talker, which I'm sure he was, you're like, hey, you got a brother in me. Trust me. I've been there. I've blown through all of my money in one night. That I'm, I'm here to help you guys. Oh, yeah. cool. Great. Thanks. Just bend down there little bit lower and get all your shit in the safe. No, no, don't look back at me yet. Ah, get them. You know, I know it's so psycho. Yeah, it really you know? is. I think that that that's the one thing that always really gets me about people like this is the, that they take advantage of blind trust of someone yeah. who just is going to like, cause like normally us, 
and I'm including you in this barely, um, <laughs> you know, your, your trust, you know, someone puts their trust in you and you want to earn that trust and foster it and nurture it and grow it. Right. Most, this most guy, people. Yeah. Most people, right, most people like, yeah, this guy is like, a, it's a currency in the other direction. Sure. It's like, great. Yeah. I can totally like, okay. They check all the boxes. He comes in. Hey, you don't, you, you know, anybody new in town. And, and yep. once he finds out like, oh, this is a perfect guy to kill, right. you know, because nobody's going to know who he is. He has no family and I'm going to insert myself into the investigation. Um, you know, serial yep. killer 101 by, yep identifying the body which is ultimately which gets him you know one of the things that get him caught in the end you know with that so i wanted to ask you about that so yes to your point the there are evil people that just see trust as a tool to get in with a mark like that's it yeah right okay and so where billy fucked himself with identifying this this person was i mean it, it was weird like why did he use the name of the watchmaker just because he could have said John Smith, but he used something very specific because what, was he going to steal the watch and like had no, that name I, in his head? I think what happened was <clears throat> that he's ruffling through the guy's pockets. Mm-hmm. People like would scratch their name into Right. So he watch. thought it was right. Okay. So, he, so thought, he, he didn't know. He didn't know it was the maker's mark. He thought it was the guy's name. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. And and then yeah. you know we always talk about serial killers. He killed the dog. I mean that's like one of the first early. Yeah, early I, that times. that bo- that bothered me a lot. Yeah, that you really don't mess with a man's dog. No, 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 no. I've seen John Wick. Okay, you don't mess with a man's fucking dog, or John Wick will come and kill you. <laughs> Rightfully so. Uh, so. So yeah, so it was it was it was nice to see him finally go 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 down for it. They got mm-hmm. him for one murder, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. did he pay his debt to society? I doubt it. You know, same thing with Capone. I got Capone for taxes, but the man still died in prison. So like, I think that's there's some satisfaction in that. Well, and, and, cool. and think about how he died. Just one second. Yeah. I didn't go into too much detail, but he had syphilis and basically he went insane. Yep. I mean, that's 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 no fun. You know? And it's no fun. And and I think if you look historically, people like that, they that's the end that they have in store. You know, mm-hmm. one way or the other, they usually come to grief that way or in some way. But um, but I agree with you. He's a really, really interesting character. And I'm surprised that he hasn't shown up in some like kind of pop culture as like an anti-hero or something, you know. Totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that'd be an interesting show. Mm-hmm. I completely really, agree. Really, really interesting show. Because we don't really, because he does have the, you know, you can see that he was probably a super beloved figure. Um, I'm sorry, I'm looking up the Swearinger, Swearingen guy. Hold on. Okay. Anyway, I can't find it. Um, mm-hmm. He was probably a super beloved figure. People really either loved or hated him. And he was, oh, and that's another thing too. He's such a fucking bragger. Can't you just picture him yeah. sidling up to the bar and all of his friends are like, okay. Here he goes again. Yeah. You know? They were taken care of forever. Don't worry about it. Don't worry it about it. Yeah. Did, did you watch Mad Men? Oh, I, 
I love Batman. I love. Remember Johnny the pilot Batman. where you know you're 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 with you're with John Hamm this whole time. You're like, oh, cool guy, cool guy, cool guy. And then right at the end, he cheats on his wife of the of the pilot episode. Right? You're like, the yeah. fuck is going on? Yeah. In this show. The whole first episode, we're like, oh, this guy, Billy Gould, he's super cool. He's helping out all these sailors, da, 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 da. And then right at the end, he fucking whacks the guy over the head and dumps him through a trap door. What the fuck did I just see? Like, I that know. Would be, yeah, that would be great. I know, exactly. Be, what an intro to the character, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I oh. definitely think there's something, there's something, we'll see something down the pike at some point because it's just yeah. too, too much going on there, you know? Yeah. Agree, agree. All right. Well, hey, great episode. Very, very well done. Thank you for that. I learned I learned a bunch of stuff. Whoa, I just lost a headphone. Hold on. Can you still hear me? Yes. Great. Um, okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to the Murder Chronicles. Uh, we really appreciate you doing that. And if you get a chance, please rate and review. That helps so much. She's right about that. Please, please, please rate and review. I took over your job. It's okay. Rate and review. And um, we look forward to uh, getting together with you again next week. Have a good one. The Murder Chronicles is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We are produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Music by Soundstripe. For Pie in the Sky Media, I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Thanks for listening. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.